Worship team, thank you so much. Wonderful time of worship. Appreciate the time into the prophetic area. It's always good we get to speak out those things that God gives us. Or sing out. Both. Glory to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to be over there here this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We've all heard the term calibration. You know, sometimes we have to calibrate our our brakes, so we have to calibrate different things in our home. And that's when we, we set it to what it's supposed to be. If you were going to calibrate your thermostat, you want to make sure that when it says 70 degrees, it actually is 70 degrees. That if the thermostat thinks 70 degrees is 65, you're not going to be happy. And so you want to be able to calibrate and bring it, bring it in. But you have to have something that is true that you can bring it to. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we have what love is. And we've been on a little, a little bit of a mini-series here in our big series on love. And I just want to end this, in, end this section on love here. Looking at what God's love is. We've covered this in years past. We don't quite go over it every year. Maybe we should. But it's been a couple years since we actually took it verse by verse and, and looked this over. But let's take a look at that here today in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Last week we were looking at the different groups of, of difficult people to love. That there are selfish believers, there are selfish heathen, and then there are vessels of wrath. And we looked at each one and how we are to handle each one, what we are supposed to do. Because we can't treat them all the same way, and you can't even individually treat them all the way that you do a group. You've got to find out what God would have you to do. But each one of those groups are certain things that help us, certain guidelines that, that do help us. And some of those things we would do, maybe they make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. But if I only do what I'm comfortable with, Aren't I being selfish? We've got to make sure that we walk in an unselfish kind of love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor... And though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. And it is not puffed up. Now we've usually focused on verses 4, 5, 6, and 7. And they certainly tell us a good deal about, about love. Here it says, love suffers long and is kind. So after suffering for a long time, the love of God is still kind. If the love that we walk in is affected by a little suffering, it's probably not the love of God, is it? It's not God's love. We have to make sure that the love that we walk in, that it can suffer long and still be kind. Now, it doesn't mean that you grit your teeth, suppress all those bad feelings that you got, and present a good front. Because that will wear you out. You won't last very long doing that. That's not the love of God. That's human type of love trying to look like it's the love of God. You don't have to do that. That's a whole lot more work than what God has told you to do. He said, love suffers long and is kind. Now, if our love is not suffering long while being kind, we've accepted a replacement. We've let a replacement come in. Or we just left what we had. 
We've either accepted a replacement or we left what we have. Now, I want to take a look at this word kind. We don't always do that when we're in this. But this particular word kind, this word is only used one time in the New Testament. It's here. But it comes from a word that is used several times. And they're, they're pretty close to their, their meaning. It's just, just uh, some of the nuances the Greek changes this. But it means to show oneself useful, to act benevolently, or to be kind. To show oneself useful, act benevolently, or to be kind. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, this is where we see the, the root of this word used. It reads this way, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. So there's another command to be kind. Matthew chapter 11, verse 30. I'm going to read this to you and see if you can find the word. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Can you find the word kind in there? Well, it doesn't jump out at you. But for my yoke is easy. That word there, easy, is the same word for kind. Because, again, go back to the definition of this. To show oneself useful. To act benevolently or to be kind. For my yoke is beneficial. My yoke is useful. My yoke is kind. Romans 2 verse 4. Or do you despise the riches of goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? That word goodness there is our same word for kind. Not knowing that the goodness of God, the benevolence of God, those things that God does that are useful. That's what it's talking about. So that gives you a little bit better idea when it talks about kind. It's not just talking about being nice and putting on a friendly face and all that sort of things. It's, it's about being useful. Have you ever had someone who did something for you? It was very useful. But it came across as a little tough, a little harsh maybe at times. But you look back and you say, boy, I, I'm glad that you spoke to me like that. I'm glad that you said that to me. That really helped me to turn my act around here because I was going in the wrong direction. Well, let's go back to the verse 4 here again. Love suffers long and is kind. That word there, suffers long, is actually a combination word. We have it as two words in most of our translations. The New King James puts it as two translations, two, two words. Suffers long. It's actually one word in the Greek. And it, um, it comes from a compound word, macrothumia. Now I, I tell this to you just so you can get a picture of it. Uh, we, how many enjoy macaroni? Macaroni comes to its name as long noodle. They put the word macro in there and um, they just make it a combination word and they make it long noodle. Now, I know some macaroni is short, but um, initially that's where it came from, a long noodle. So that's where the, the comes from the Greek word, the, the macro. So macro, it, it, it combines with the word for anger, thumos. We see that quite often in the book of Revelation when the anger of God comes up. Well, it's what it's saying is that there's a long time between the things that are going on and the things when you finally get angry. There's a long time. Long suffering is how they translate it here. Nothing wrong with that translation. You get the idea. But the kind of suffering that we have in mind here, 
sometimes people will just pull out whatever kind of suffering that they're doing and just put it in here as long-suffering. But when Jesus was at the cross, when Paul and Silas were in Philippi, these are times when they were suffering for the gospel's sake. And they suffered long. And they didn't go and get angry. This is how we need to go. That we can suffer long and not get angry. Now, he's not talking about the kind of love that gets angry, but I can suppress it. We're talking about a kind of love that suffers long and doesn't get angry. That's what he, that's what he says the love of God is. The love of God suffers long. Suffers long and is kind. It goes through a lot of things, but still all through it, kindness comes out. Not just niceties, but an act that says, I'm going to do what is beneficial for you. I'm going to do what is helpful in this situation. That's the kindness that comes out. And that's the kind of kindness that we need to walk in. And we can. But what happens is we put this goal up here. I've got to act like this with what I have on the inside. And I can't seem to get there. And I try and suppress all that anger. I try and suppress all those feelings that I have. And I suppress and I suppress it. Man, this, this Christianity stuff, this is hard. I'm having a hard time walking out this. I'm getting angry. I feel that anger, but I'm, I'm not letting out. But I'm just feeling angry. But that's not what we need to do. That's not what God's calling us to do. Remember, His yoke is easy or beneficial, helpful. So what makes this love able to do this? First off, it's not tuned into self. The love of God is not tuned into you. Most times we get impatient, we stop long-suffering is because I am so tuned into what I need and what I want. And I'm not getting it. And I'm getting angry. I should get this. I want to have this. Why aren't you acting this way? Why aren't you behaving this, this, this particular way? Why aren't things going the way that I want them to go? And I become impatient because I'm not getting what I want to get. But you see, the love of God is not selfish. The love of God looks to what other people need. And if we can get tuned into that love, walking in this life becomes a whole lot easier. So he says, love suffers long and is kind. Love suffers long and is kind. It's not tuned into self. It is a selfless, hope-filled, growth-seeking love. That love says, I just want to see you grow. I want to see you be able to become developed into things of God. I want to see you become better than you are now. And I will put up with some things that might come out that don't, I don't like a whole lot because I see the overall end of things. I see where we're, where we're going. You know, certainly we can see this when young children are babies and they, they mess their pants. And the moms and dads, you know, they get in there and they clean up the, the messy diaper. And we do that. Why? Because we enjoy it? No. Because we have a long range. We're, well, this is, the, this is what's going on this time period. But down the road, they're, they're going to get past this. They're going to be doing other things. And so right now, they need me to help them. And so we just go about there and, and doing it. Sometimes if you watch a mom changing the, the diaper, it seems like moms get more practice at it. Um, 
and they're changing the messy diaper and just carrying on a conversation. Just talking about, about things. It's just, it's, it's just second nature to them. They don't think about it. They don't think about how much this, this is, uh, they don't think this is degrading to me. They just go ahead and do it. And this is what we can do, folks, when we walk in the love of God, is we can put up with other people's not so nice things. And it doesn't get us frustrated. And it doesn't get us angry. This is the stage that they're at. And we're going to help them through this stage. We're going to get them into the next stage. We're going to get them into the next stage after that. And we have a long term, we're looking out and we're saying, here's the growth that they're going to be coming into. This is what's going to happen for them. This is the benefits that they will have. Love suffers long and is kind. Let's go over uh, the rest of this verse. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. It does not envy. This word here for envy, it's a fierce desire to promote one's own ideas and convictions to the exclusion of everyone else. It's not just, I really want your car. It's not that kind of a, that kind of a thing. It is a fierce desire to promote one's own ideas and convictions to the exclusion of everyone else. We get, the, the Greek word here, I'll give it to you, I don't think I wrote it in your outline, it doesn't make that much of a difference for you, but the Greek word is zelao. We get our word zealot from that. Does that give you a picture? A person who is so turned on to what they think is right that everyone else is wrong and they don't stop talking until everyone believes what they believe or at least says they do. They're a zealot. And you can't talk them into any other way of looking at things. This is just the way that it is. It says love is not a zealot. It doesn't act in this type of way. It doesn't act in a way that I have to take what the way I see things and promote this idea amongst everyone. And I don't want to hear what you have to say. I don't want to hear what your idea is. This is just the way that it's, that it's going to be. And we've got to be careful that we don't do that. Even if we're going after the right doctrine. Let's just give you a couple of examples on this. Uh, most of us came out of churches that didn't believe that Jesus Christ was the healer. They believed that Jesus healed in the old days, but that doesn't go on now, and it's sometimes sickness and disease. God has a purpose for it. And we believed that, and we thought that. That's what it was told to us. And if somebody came over, and they had an idea, and they said, Jesus is the healer. Look at the Scriptures. Look how it says you are healed. He died on the cross for your sins. He died on the cross for your sicknesses. He took them from... We, we look at all the verses in there and there's there's a whole lot of verses in it that talk about how we are healed. If I try and promote that to somebody with a, a zealot type of a mentality, well, if you don't believe this, then you're just not saved. You're just not serving the same God. You see, if I do that, then I'm, I'm not coming at this with the love of God. Now, I'm not saying that I have to change my view on it, but it doesn't mean I have to push this view off on everybody else. I don't have to have to do that. Now, if you get into the part where is Jesus Christ the Son of God that He died on the cross for our sin, okay, we can get a little strong on that one. <laughs> I mean, you're not saved if you don't believe some of those things. But you know, you can get to heaven not knowing that Jesus Christ is your healer. You can get to heaven not being filled with the Spirit. It's a whole lot easier to get to heaven knowing that Jesus is your healer. And being filled with the Spirit. That's a much easier way to go through this life. But we have to be careful that we don't get so caught up with the wrong kind of love 
that I think I had to promote all these things to people. And whether they accept them or not, well, I just get mad, I get angry. No, we don't need to do that. Because Paul says right here, love, it's not a zealot. You're not walking in love when you go this way. When you see people, they're out in the streets rioting because they didn't get their way. Breaking windows and burning people's cars and doing all sorts of stuff like that. That's not the love of God. I don't care what they're fighting for. It's not the love of God. That's not the way we can go. So it says right there, love is does not envy. It's not a zealot. So hopefully that word gives you a little bit better of a picture of what goes on with there. In um, Acts chapter 17, verse 5. But the Jews who were not persuaded became envious. They became envious and took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathered a mob. That word there for evil is the word we get our word zealot from took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathered a mob, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. Love does not act that way. That's not the love of God. We don't need to go out there and have riots because things aren't certain ways and because people don't believe that Jesus is this or, you know, sometimes people can get all upset because people don't, there are some people out there who don't worship God on Sundays. Don't come together and worship God on Sundays. They worship on Saturday. And they get all upset about, oh, if they want to worship on Saturday, that's fine. We're not going to get upset with that sort of stuff. He says that it does not parade itself. See, because this, this love is not selfish. It's not going around saying, look at what I did. Look who I am. And if people don't recognize what I have done, what I have brought into this, well, and then wrong feelings begin to, to well up. But you see, it doesn't parade itself. The love of God on the inside of us is of such that I'm okay with taking a back seat. I'm okay with getting out there and doing the work and not getting any of the credit for it. Because I don't need to parade myself. That's the love of God. If I feel that need to... I need people to, to see what I did. Who I helped. I need people to see how much I put into this. I want people to see how much I study, how much I pray, how much I serve. I'm parading myself. That's not the love of God. And if I do something with the idea of promoting myself instead of walking in the love of God, I get no reward for that. No heavenly reward. So don't worry about it. If other people come along and get the credit for what you did, oh well, that's all right. Don't, don't, don't fuss with it. So, let's read this over again. See it all together. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. The enemy constantly comes in and whispers things to our ears. Your employer is so blessed to have you. What would they ever do without you? Look at all the things that you do and they don't even see it. Your spouse doesn't appreciate you the way that they should. Your kids don't honor you. They don't appreciate you the way that they should. Look at the things they say. Look at the things they do. 
And he's trying to get us puffed up. He's trying to get me to think, well, I'm the only one putting into this marriage. I'm the only one putting into these these kids. Well, if it wasn't for me, this office would be lost. Look at all that I'm bringing in. You see, it gets you puffed up. That's the enemy trying to get you off the love of God. Don't let him do it. Just know this. We are all replaceable in the kingdom of God. No matter how important we think we are, we are all replaceable. God can find another one of me. He can find another one of you. I'd rather not make him do that. But he certainly can do it. If Elijah can be replaced, guess what? If Elijah can be replaced, I can be replaced. Because I think he would be a lot tougher to replace. And God says, look, i got a bunch of other people I can put in your spot. You know what? Go out there and anoint the next one. He's going to take your place. And he had him already. At the time, he was plowing. But God brought him out. So don't, don't get puffed up. When the enemy comes in and starts puffing you up, no, it's not God. God is not telling you how irreplaceable you are. That's not how God operates. He'll encourage you. He'll, t- he'll tell you good things about what you're doing. But He won't make you think that you are the only one who can do it. That's the enemy. So when you begin to hear things like, if it wasn't for you, this wouldn't be happening. If it wasn't for you, these things wouldn't go on. If it wasn't for you, so-and-so would be lost. That's puffing you up. Love doesn't do it. Don't Don't operate that way. Because if you do, you're going to replace the love of God. And if you replace the love of God... Being kind after suffering will be very difficult because you're not walking in the right kind of love. You see, the best thing we can do is to be in a place where people who do terrible things just doesn't bother us. It just doesn't faze us. And you can get to that place, but only when you walk in the love of God. Don't have to raise your hands on this one unless you want to. You can if you want to. But how many of you have people at work, in the neighborhood, or in your family, someplace, that um, they just know how to get under your skin? They know how to say the things, do the things, and it just gets under your skin and think, oh, that person makes me so mad. You have people like that in your life? Yeah. How would it be if those people no longer had any effect on you? Ever. No effect. This didn't bother you. Could you imagine if you had clothes that could never get dirty? It was impossible for these clothes to get dirty. Dirt could not stick to these clothes. If dirt hit them, it fell off. If smells try and attach themselves to those clothes, doesn't doesn't happen. It falls right off. Would your life be easier if all your clothes would not be attracted to dirt? Bad smells, anything like that. As soon as you got done wearing something, you could just hang it up in the closet and wear it the next time. Wouldn't that be fun? No more laundry. No more folding. That's just one aspect of it. But it sure would be easy. But you see, this is how God wants you to be. That these folks... Who, who get under your skin, they just can't touch you. They can't affect you. The reason that most people 
pick on you is because it affects you. Now, my, my older sister, I would pick on her a lot when we were younger. And I did it because she would react. That's the only reason. She reacted. Because she reacted, I kept finding more stuff to do. Her way of getting me back, she would, she would tickle me. She'd come in and she'd tickle me. And, you know, that would, that'll spur a reaction. I didn't like the reaction. So one day I just decided I'm not going to be ticklish anymore. I don't know how you do that. But <laughs> I did. And she would sit there and she'd tickle me. No reaction. You know what she did? She quit tickling. Just didn't do it anymore. It didn't have any effect. See, the reason most people do things that aggravate you is because it aggravates you. So if you can get to a spot where it didn't bother you, it didn't affect you, most people will stop it because it's not having the desired effect. They just can't, can't get under their skin. We can't do things that affect them. They just keep on going on. And there's a difference between someone who smiles and suppresses all those feelings and someone who just doesn't feel them. The enemy wants to keep you out of that. God doesn't, but he does. Verse 5. It does not behave rudely. Now, this is this is something we can fall into. I mean, we can be going along in a day and just doing real well, and then all of a sudden somebody does something that, um, wow, I can't believe that people are, are that obnoxious. And it just brings up some rudeness inside of us. And we were, we were totally surprised. You call up customer service, you call up somebody to get some help, and all of a sudden it seems like, they don't, we're not responsible for this. But I just bought it. It's not working. Well, I'm sorry. We don't cover that. What do you mean? I just, I just got it. And you can find some rudeness that comes up on the inside. You just want to speak rudely to this, to this person. But love does not behave rudely. It doesn't mean that it's not ever stern. You can be stern and not be rude. Sometimes people are just rude. Have you ever been a waiter or a waitress? I think in that profession... You can find rudeness pretty easily. People just expect you to do stuff and go get things. Most of the time, those people do that. They also don't leave much of a tip. Love does not behave rudely. When you get that rudeness coming in, I am putting myself in a place where I am walking outside of the love of God. But when I keep that rudeness away from me, I am practicing walking the love of God. I'm getting myself so used to this. My habit is to walk in the love of God. We talked about that before. It says it does not seek its own. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. This is the, we look at this, that's a hard thing to do. How do I not seek my own? But you seek the good of, of what other people want. What other people are looking for. It doesn't seek its own. Don't seek, don't just go out there. Well, what's my benefit in this thing? How is this going to help me? What do I need? I can't just always look at it from, from my standpoint. That gets me into a selfish area. Oh, we're so much better to get out of this. 
Love does not behave rudely and it does not seek its own. It's always out there looking for the good of other people. You will find this out. If you look out for the good of other people, other people will begin to look out for your good. They just will begin to look out for you. They will find out what, what can we do? How can we help this, this person over here? What can we, we, we do in this, this area? They want to help you out. You know, I, I learned this in a number of the different jobs that I had, but one especially when I was working for Keltzner's and I would be making deliveries into places. And um, if I just sought after myself and what I, what I wanted, I could just be a person, just come in here, take the order that they want, go out there and get it, plop it down and go. Then I'm out of there in five minutes, ten minutes. But I didn't do that. I, I took on a different perspective on this thing and I looked at what can I do to make this better for them? What can I do to help them in this? And so I found ways to be able to uh, come in and, and make their order better. And even sometimes for some people, I was able to put their things away and help put their, their stuff away. And I think I, I've probably mentioned this before, but our, poli- our company had a policy of not stocking the shelves. They would they tell us that. Don't stock the shelves when you go out to these spots. But when I, the places I was at in South Jersey, they were so busy that their shelves would sometimes get empty and then our stuff isn't selling. One place in particular was down in Cape May. They did more business as a seafood store than most grocery stores did in an entire day. Just as a seafood store, they just, lines of people, just not, not the restaurant, just to buy seafood. Lines. You had to take a number and it might be a half hour, 45 minutes until your number was called and you could buy seafood. They were that busy and just stayed that busy. And they had a restaurant and they had other places in, in there for it. Well, I would come in sometimes the night before. I would make the delivery the next day. I would come in the night before and they were be all empty. And so I'd go upstairs and get their stuff, bring it down and put it on the shelf. Now, I didn't do this outside of my boss knowing it. I told my boss, I'm stocking their shelves and this is why. And he was okay with it. I didn't want to do it behind their back. I know this is their policy. I know you don't want to stock shelves, but we need to stock shelves in this one. Otherwise, you know, we're, we, we could be, six cases could go out between now and the next day when I, when I, um, come back and um, they don't have time I mean they're just trying to sell seafood they're there to sell seafood not sell cocktail sauce and stuff like that so I was in there stocking the shelves and then I would find some other ones and I could stock their shelves too and I could help them out and uh, when I started doing this well they started looking out for me and they started looking out how can we uh, help him to get in and out faster he's doing all these things for us and so that one, one gentleman, he actually, uh, just to make sure I got in and out fast, and since I was doing all these things for him, he had his check made out, and he already signed it. All I had to do was fill out the check for the amount that was on the invoice, and I could go. And he would, he would do that. I think he was almost getting close to the point. He would put me as a signature on his checks so that I could also sign them. And he wouldn't be bothered with that. But he didn't quite get that to that point. But you see, if you stood out there, and if you look out for the well-being of other people they in turn will look out for you they will look out for you I spent a lot of years sewing into into these places and and just looking for what kind of things can I do how can I help you do better how can our products help you and kept finding new ways and the more I pursued it the more of their business I got and the more of their business I got the less business that went to the competitors and pretty soon, the, only, the big competitor I had out there, I could tell you their name, 
but it probably wouldn't make any sense to any of you. But we had one big competitor out there, and after uh, me being out there a number of years, they pulled up and they left South Jersey. They no longer sold in South Jersey. They were a New York outfit. They had moved down. And then another company had decided, well, we're going to go and fill in that gap where they were. So they went around to all of my customers and they gave them free cases to sell. And all my customers took the, well, almost all the customers took the free cases. Some of them said, no, we don't even want the free case. And a, a couple of them said, we got the free case. We're going to sell it. And then we're not going to take any. Because <laughs> we like you. We like you coming in. We like what you do. And um, we want you to have all of our business. And so after he came in and distributed all those free cases, he eventually pulled up. It didn't take him more than a couple of weeks. He wasn't going to get anywhere with this. And so he pulled out. And I took over the entire area of South Jersey with Kelsey's Horse Fetish. We covered the entire thing. If you went into any seafood store, the only thing you found on their shelves was ours. But you see, that was because I went in there. What can I do for you? And if you will do this with people, if you will not seek your own, what can I do for you? People will turn around and say, what can we do for you? How can we help you out? And so the, you walk in the love of God like this, you'll prosper. People will see to it that you prosper. Well, I, I tried that for a couple of weeks. I haven't seen any change. Well, you see, you're trying it out. You're not living who you are. Let the love of God become who you are and just live it because this is who you are. I'm not trying anything. This is just how I operate. This is just what I do. If you appreciate it, great. If you don't appreciate it, that's fine. I'm not changing what I do. I am walking in the love of God and I am not looking for my own good. I am looking for yours. But by doing so, I know that I'll be looked out for as well. So, that's what he says there. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It's not provoked. How many of you have ever been provoked? <laughs> People, we, people know how to provoke you. I've, people don't even know you. They seem to know how to provoke you. I mean, there's just some basic things you can do. Uh, but the Word of God says here that love is not provoked. So if I get provoked, guess what? I'm not walking in the love of God. Now, I found a scripture that was a, a little different view of this. I wanted to show it to you. In um, Acts chapter 17 again, verse 16. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was what? Provoked. His spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Now how many of you would say that's not a bad thing? It seems like this is a good thing. It seems like the Word of God is describing this like it's a good thing. While Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the Gentile whispers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. So there it says that Paul was provoked. But here in Corinthians, Paul says that love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked. Hmm. How is it okay for Paul to be provoked in Acts chapter 17 and him write in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is not provoked? How is that? Well, again, look at the context here. Does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked. If you get provoked because you're seeking your own stuff, 
That's wrong. Paul wasn't seeking his own. He's seeking the Lord's. And as he's seeking the Lord's, he gets provoked in here. But look at his response. If you go through the rest of the, the book of uh, Acts or the chapter of Acts, you're going to find out he goes in and he, he doesn't come in there and yell at them because he's provoked that they're going after all these idols. He goes in there and he reasons with them. He talks to them about the gospel. He shares with them about the gospel. He talks to them about the, the, the God that they don't even know. You don't know this God, but I'm going to introduce you to him. And they wanted to hear it. See, when we get provoked, we generally get angry. And our words, well, they're not real nice. But don't let that happen. Stay in the love of God. If you stay in the love of God, you won't get provoked for your own cause. You get provoked for the for God's cause. But then when you get provoked for God's cause, you go back to God and say, God, how, how am I supposed to respond here? What do you want me to do? And God says, go in there and do this. All right, we'll do that. But see, I'm not pushed into an area to act harshly. That's because it's the love of God. Now, you got people and they can come up and they, they provoke you. They, they, they do things that you don't like. Now, maybe uh, I don't want to go to the, to the lunchroom and eat near so-and-so because they're a loud eater. You ever been around a, a loud eater? Chomp, chomp, chomp. Oh, that just bothers me. It's provoking you, right? Why? Because I don't like it. <laughs> can the love of God be powerful enough that you can sit next to a loud eater and not get provoked? It can. It can. I mean, what, you just think of the how this all goes. If everybody in the lunchroom says, I'm not sitting with so-and-so because they're a loud eater. And as soon as he comes and he sits down to eat, everybody flees. Well, that's not going to be, be real helpful. And that's not going to be real good. But you see, here's how we, we think we're supposed to go about this. Well, I'm just going to sit on down here and I'm just going to ignore all that loud noises that they're making. And I'm just going to grin and bear it. But see, that's a heavy yoke to bear. What we ought to do is be able to sit on down with that person and just as we're sitting there eating and they're going chomp, 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 chomp. Just let them know. He says, I don't know if you realize this or not, but you make a lot of noise when you eat. And that may drive some people away from sitting next to you while you're eating. They may enjoy your presence, your company other times, but, um, you know, maybe, maybe we can help you learn. How to eat a little quieter. Oh, I never even realized I was doing that. Am I really that noisy? See, you can help people out with that. Because once again, kindness is doing things that are useful, beneficial. Being quiet about something that's hurting somebody doesn't, doesn't help them. That's not a, <laughs> that's not a good thing. If you've got somebody, a friend of yours, and they just came out of the bathroom and they were fixing their face and when they came out of the bathroom they got a lipstick mark right across the, their face but they didn't see it. Are you being kind by not saying anything to them? No. Oh, wait a minute. You got a little bit on your face right there. Let me show you. 
and you help them out. Because that's kind. Say things that are beneficial. Say things that are helpful. Now, don't say it in a nasty way. Say it in a beneficial way. Say it in a helpful way. And if you know that you have the freedom to say these things to people, it's a whole lot easier for you to endure it. You'll find out that that loud eater may come and sit next to you and get eating. He says, hey, I've been working on this one. I've been home. How am I doing? Am I getting any quieter? And you can say, man, you have gotten a whole lot quieter. Wow, you've, you have really been working on this. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to keep at it too. Thanks for letting me know about that. See, you build up a relationship there. You're no longer frustrated because now you're walking in the love of God. You're not walking in an artificial thing. You're letting people know. Somebody does something that disturbs you spiritually, it doesn't always do you any benefit to keep on it, to, to sit on it. Sometimes you need to get out there and let them know in a nice way, in a kind way. And then once you let them know about it, don't hang it over their head. Just, just go on. All right, let's go on from this. And then, and then we go on and they can say, man, they really have gone on from this. They're not holding this over my head. Other people have always held stuff like that over my head. This is interesting. And you'll pull people in. How does this person walk this way? This, I've never seen people who walk this way. And eventually they may just sit in there and ask you, how is it that you, your life is so different from other people? Let me tell you. I have a Savior, Jesus Christ. And He came along. He put the love of God down on the inside of my heart. And it changed the way that I deal with people. Changed the way that I talk with people. Changed the way that I view them. And you can have that same love down on the inside of you. And you can lead them right to Jesus. A lot of times we think the only way to lead people to Jesus is to hit them over the head. Thou shalt not. Thou shall. You're going to hell if you don't. Now, pull them in with this. You walk in the love of God, you will be the best billboard for getting saved that you can have. It's not carrying around a track. It's speaking the truth in love. It's being kind after suffering long. It's not behaving rudely. It's not being a zealot. This is what Paul teaches us about. Let's, uh, let's go on. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. Hmm. It thinks no evil. Now that word there for thinks is the Greek word that means keeping accounts Recording, etc. It thinks, it, it's, it's, it's not thinking about all the evil that, that it doesn't, doesn't log all these things. Have you ever made a list in your head? Alright, well, today I've got to get this, 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 and that. We're, we're going over in our head. We're making this list in our head. It thinks no evil. It doesn't sit there and think about someone and say, hmm, well, they did this, they did this, they did this. It thinks no evil. Now, the enemy is going to try and get you to think evil. As soon as you see brother or sister so-and-so and they've done certain things in the past, he's immediately going to begin to have you think evil. Oh, there's that one. They say these things. They do these things. They're operating like this. Oh, yeah, they are. I don't really want to get around that one. Because, you see, i got this record and I've been thinking about it. I've been going over. I've been keeping accounts of some of the wrongs that were done keeping accounts of some of the bad things. In Romans chapter 2, verse 26, it says, Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirement of the law, will not his uncircumcised be 
counted as circumcision. If an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, there's a, there's a word there for thinks no evil. Logizimo. Logizimai. In, in uh, 4, 3 through 4, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. It was accounted to him for righteousness. There's that word. Again, translate a little bit differently. The same word. Now to him who works the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. Again, we see the same word there. I put this in your outline for you if you want to fill this out. Basically, love is concerned with giving itself, not asserting itself. So we're going to summarize those verses. Love is concerned with giving itself, not asserting itself. Love wants to step in and what can I give? What can I do? How can I come in here and make this better? How can I make this atmosphere better for the people that are here? How can I help this particular situation? And even if no one notices this, it doesn't matter. I'm going to come in here and I'm going to help. I'm going to do what I can do. And eventually you're going to find some people that are going to take notice and say, huh, look at that. Look at what they're doing over there. And they'll, they'll take notice. And they'll come back and they'll, they'll help you out. They'll, they'll give you a benefit. When you start doing things at work that no one else does, no one else seems to want to do, but you step in and you do it. You get it going. People are going to notice, hey, they did that sort of thing. You know, my, uh, I, my mom would, would teach us, you know, we were going around the house how to clean things and, uh, just things you don't even think about, but she taught us how to mop a floor. You don't always think about how much talent is there involved in mopping a floor. I never even thought there was any talent involved in mopping the floor at all. You get a mop, you mop the floor. And that was it. But when I was at the, uh, took over the job over there at Ken's Pizza, my first night, one of the things they told me to do, because you're the new guy. You're the new guy, you do the stuff no one else wants to do. And one of the things no one else wants to do is mop the floor. So I got the bucket out, and they showed me what chemicals to put in there, and how to, uh, you know, how to put the mop in there and wring it out and all that sort of stuff. And so I went out there and I started mopping. And I just mopped what I, what I was trained to do. Mop. Mopped the floor, got into the kitchen area, got under the, the tables, I got under the, under the oven, was reaching all the way back there in the oven, getting the oven, and then came on back and I got done. And when I got done, the, uh, the boss who was there, he says, I've never seen anybody do that. He said, you mopped under the ovens. I said, yeah, that's, the floor goes there. I just, to me, it was just, that's, that's where the floor goes. You go underneath there. He says, no one mops under the ovens. He's just shocked that somebody did it. And somebody didn't have to tell. You see, people will notice. Even if they don't say anything, they will notice. I've had bosses that have given me raises. I didn't even know they were uh, watching the stuff that I did just because I've seen that you did this, this, and this and I appreciate you doing that. Here's a raise. They'll do that for you. Even if they don't, don't worry about it because the Word of God says whatever we do, do heartily as to the Lord rather than for men knowing that from Him we receive our reward. So you, you do it unto Him. Do it unto Him. If no one else notices, God notices that you got underneath the ovens and mopped the floor. But if other people notice, they're probably going to reward you for it. But even if they don't, you got your reward. It's all right. 
Let's uh, go on here. Verse 6. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love rejoices in the truth. So love is not selfish. Here we see that love rejoices in the truth. There's a lot of people that rejoice in iniquity. In other words, they hear something bad that happens to a person. Oh, I am so glad that happened to them. I am so disappointed with the way that they did things, the way that this one over here, I don't like this that they said, I don't like that. I am so glad that that finally came down upon them. No, we don't rejoice in iniquity. We rejoice in the truth. That's how, that's how love is. So if you find yourself, when you see somebody, maybe they're an evil person, and you see bad things happen to them, <laughs> don't, if you, if you find that, that desire to be glad and rejoice, that's not the love of God. Don't operate that way. Now you don't have to necessarily get sad. You don't have to necessarily get sad. But don't be over there rejoicing. What you should rejoice in is that the truth, when the truth comes out. Well, there's, there's the truth. That's good things right there. Verse 7. Believes, or bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So I made this one. Love believes and hopes. It believes and hopes. It bears all things. That word there for for bears all things, it means to cover with silence, endure patiently, bear or suffer. It bears all things. I love this this definition for it. Cover with silence. If you are bearing with people, but you are not silent about it, you're not walking according to this verse. If you have to go around everybody, oh, you should see what so-and-so put me through. Oh, you should see what so-and-so said about me. To cover with silence. In other words, no one's going to know from me that you did this. Because I'm going to cover it with silence. I don't need to be telling other people about it. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? Can you think of times when you did not cover something with silence? When you let people know? It bears all things covers them with silence believes all things the enemy likes you to to not believe we we go over this this part of the verse quite often don't we because it is hard it seems anyway it is difficult to stay on a on a path to believe good things about other people because as soon as something goes wrong you're at home and your keys are not in the spot you left them i may have ever been there your keys, I put my keys here all the time. They are not here. I know my husband, I know my wife moved these. And so you go up to the husband or wife and say, did you move my keys? I didn't touch your keys. I know they did it. They're just not telling me. Right? Because I don't want to believe good things. I want to believe bad things. Now I'm sure that you've had times when you moved your keys and you were sure somebody else moved them, they, they weren't where you left them, and then all of a sudden you, you, you come upon them, oh, I did put them here. <laughs> uh-huh. How much better would it have been if you would have believed the best before? That's what the love of God does. 
Keep yourself in the love of God. If you find yourself in a place where you are not believing the best about your spouse, not believing the best about your kids, not believing the best about your neighbors, about your co-workers, about your boss, about whoever it might be, and something comes up on the inside to believe something less than the best, I know they did this to hurt me. I know they did this against me. I know what they were thinking when they did this. You are not walking in the love of God. Because the love of God bears all things, covers it with silence, believes all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. That's the love of God. Now, it sounds really, really hard for us to be able to accomplish this. We mean bears all things, covers all things with silence, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. How does anyone walk in that? That's just too much. There's no way I can do it. You can't do it with the natural human love that we try and fulfill the love of God with. But if you learn how to walk in the love of God and let the love that is on the inside, it's already there. It's down on the inside of you. You don't have to ask God for it. You don't have to do anything different. It is already there. When we got born again, the love of God was poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, the Word of God told us. It's there. So that love that is in you is capable of everything that is in these verses. And if I walk in such a way as to not accomplish these things, they're not coming out of me, then I'm walking according to something else. I've accepted a substitute or I've left it. But we don't need to. Go back to it. Because, again, what is the, the yoke that Jesus has for us? What's he call it? Easy. And we see from the definition of that word that it's kind, beneficial, helpful. It's not heavy. It's kind, beneficial, helpful. He then goes on and says, Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. And he goes on and talks about other things. We don't need to go that far. But he says, love never fails. Now when he says there are prophecies, that they will, uh, whether there are prophecies, they will fail. In other words, there are times that the prophecies will be passing away. We won't need the prophetic word anymore. Tongues, they will cease. There's a time coming when tongues isn't needed anymore. Knowledge will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But you see, the perfect is coming. It's not here yet. We still need these things. We still need prophecy. We still need knowledge. We still need tongues. They haven't gone away yet. They are going to. But they haven't gone away yet. They're still here. Some people try and teach that that's where, where tongues is. It's no longer a, a thing. But knowledge is okay. How can you say knowledge is still here, but tongues isn't? How can you say prophecy is still here, but tongues is not? No, they're all, all three are still here. They're all still operating. And until Jesus Christ, the perfect, comes, sets up his kingdom, we're going to need these things going on. But this is not an impossible to fulfill list of what love is. This is Paul telling you the love of God that is down on the inside of you right now. This is what it's capable of. This is what it can do. If you got that new gadget off the infomercial for your kitchen, some new gadget that was going to be able to do 
everything that you needed to get done in the kitchen. This thing was phenomenal. Have you ever had that new gadget? You know, maybe it was a fantastic blender. Maybe it was a food processor. Maybe it was a new kind of oven that could cook things like um, you just put in frozen stuff and it comes out all nice and, and tasty and good and hardly uses any electricity at all and it's easy to clean up and it seems so wonderful. And you bring that new gadget in, you got that new oven and instead of cooking fancy dishes like they showed on the commercial, you put hot dogs in it. And if somebody comes over and they see that you have one of these, oh, you got one of those things. Do you love it? Well, you know, I cook hot dogs in it. and That's all you do? I've seen what that thing can do. That's all you do? Well, yeah, it's, I don't know. I just haven't been able to figure out how to make it work and, and do other stuff. And then maybe somebody comes along in your house and they see that you're making hot dogs in that thing. And they say, oh, that can do so much more. And they say, let me show you. And they show you how they can take this and this and this and just put it in there, turn it on, and in a little while, it all comes out just like you saw in the commercial. How did you do that? It's just like us having the love of God. It's down on the inside of us. And all we ask you to do is to cook hot dogs every once in a while. Because I don't understand how it can do all this. I've tried to make it work that way, but you know, I just don't believe the best in people. I've tried to have it be that I bear all things, cover with silence what I see other people doing, but it, it just wasn't doing it for me. I tried to be kind after suffering, but it just wasn't, it wasn't happening. That kindness wasn't, wasn't there. Well, you see, we haven't gotten, we're not tapping into the love of God the way that we should. Understand, this list is not telling you, do this and you will walk, walk in the love of God. It is telling you, here is the love of God and this is what it's capable of. Now take advantage of it. Here is the love of God. It's down on the inside of you. Take advantage of it. How many of you wrote this out, put it on your refrigerator, some kind of a card, put it on your phone? If not, get out there and do it. Read this over. Because this is telling you what the love of God can do. And it is the most phenomenal thing that God has given you. And it can do all of this. It will alter your life. People will have a hard time getting under your skin. How do you get so-and-so mad? I can't, I can't figure out how to do it. Can't figure out how to make that, make that happen. When I first went to work for Ken's Pizza, I was amazed at this, this story because I came in and I was working for him and worked uh, uh, quite a while. And I understand I was the only Christian in the group. I was the only one. And um, I just went around and, and did what I would normally do. And people apparently were sitting back and they were talking about me. I didn't know it. They were talking about me. And after weeks of me being in there and they observing me and they, they're checking out, they came to me and they admitted and said, 
One of the, one of the, I forget who it was, one of them came to me and says, we all talked about you. We thought you were high. We thought you were on drugs or something. Because no one could come in here every day and be as happy as you were. They could figure it out. So they went to what they, what they knew. But they said, after a while, we figured out you aren't high. <laughs> no, it wasn't high. But you see, that's the power of the love of God. When the love of God is working in you, you will come into every place that you go and change it. You will bring light into that place. You will bring joy into that place. Heathen people will desire to be around you because they get a taste of the love of God. It's in you. It's not something that will be in you. It's something that is in you now. And it is the most powerful thing that you have that God has given you. We all think faith, how powerful it is. But love is so powerful. The Word of God tells us to have the God kind of faith. But the Word of God tells us that God is love. Love is the most powerful thing you've got, given from God. And you can change things. You can alter things. You don't get some people really mad. Paul got some people really mad because of the love of God that was in him. So did Stephen. Took him out and stoned him. But you can change the world that you're in. Don't feel like I have to live up to that list with the best that I can put forth. That's not it. He's just giving you a list. This is all that the love of God will do. Take advantage of it. Take that that has been on the inside of you and utilize it. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the love of God. I thank you that that love is put in us. You have poured it into our hearts. Everywhere we go, we carry that love with us. The enemy wants to get us to not tap into that love but to tap into other things maybe that look like that love. He wants to give us replacements, substitutes to pursue things that are not God. Father, that love is so powerful and so useful. It will change our life. It will change the life of the people that are around us. Help us, Father, on a daily basis to learn how to habitually walk in the love of God. How to let that love take us over. That the words that come out of our mouth come because of the love of God. Whether it's to our children, our spouse, our neighbors, co-workers, our bosses, people in church, wherever it might be, the love of God dominates our conversation. Oh, it'll change us. And people will begin to ask, what is it about you that is so different? As we conclude this time looking at the love of God, and examine your own life, how is your love walk going? 
Do you see the fruit of this list? Do you see that the love of God is doing these things in you? Or is there so much more that can be accomplished? Renew yourself to walk in the love of God. The Word of God tells us, keep yourselves in the love of God. It's up to us. God gave it to us. It's up to us to keep ourselves in it. And if you just keep yourselves in the love of God, most of the difficulties you have with people will cease. He's not asking you to put up with all sorts of rude and obnoxious behavior. He's just telling you, react out of the love of God, not out of your flesh. And the results you see will be different. Father, I thank you for the help you give us this week as we continue to change our behavior. Make it around the love of God. We're looking for lives that are around us to be changed. People to become curious and want to know how is it that you can walk like this? They will ask us and we will tell them about our God and about His love that's poured out in us. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Brother Victor. Good morning. Uh, what a good time um, in God's presence. Um, I'm sure we've really been blessed um, in the course of this series on God's love. And uh, today was like the crowning of uh, the series. Uh, Paul telling us about the characteristics, the qualities that are in love and how we should work in them because they are already in us. <coughs> um, uh, Psalm 107 verse 20, uh, the scripture says that God sends for his word and his word healed us of our diseases and delivered us from destruction. Um, one of the things we have in our generation that looks very much like sickness is um, the lack of understanding of God's word. And every day, pastor, we sit under this ministry, pastor has under God um, taught us what it is to walk in this love and we will always be grateful for uh, what he's doing even in our lives. Amen. Quickly, we'll take the following announcements. Um, or before then, let me take uh, the press report from Ethel. It said, if we follow uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, uh, Proverbs 4, verse 20 uh, says um, something about following the word of God. See, so we follow Proverbs 4.20, then we do not have to put up with the physical or every mental issues. We need to attend to the word spoken because God is trying to tell us stuff. Um, Connie spoke about not being so quick to do things the world's way and because I did not listen I dealt with an issue four days longer than necessary. And once I remembered what the word said about the situation, it was better almost immediately. Amen. Amen. That's why we have to keep the word of God in our spirit 
um, know that what the Lord has spoken concerning us, concerning our situations, um, he is willing to handle them. Amen. Uh, quickly, other announcement for the week. Uh, let's remember midweek, midweek service this Wednesday to complete the series or continue with the series on faith in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 34, 32 to 34. I was listening to one of the, the messages pastor taught on it and uh, he said that, you know, these men lived all their life and died without receiving the promise, yet they died in faith. And he asked a question, can you imagine, you know, that what God has promised you, you live all your life and you never received it, yet you kept believing the Lord. You know, that is how much God wants us to work with him, you know, to the point that whether or not we have it in our lifetime, we still believe that God is faithful to bring it to pass. So uh, make time to be in God's presence on Wednesday. You can join uh, by Facebook if you can. Uh, Thanksgiving is approaching. Uh, we have um, until next Sunday to collect non-perishable food for the basket. We have uh, the Thanksgiving basket over there. Uh, there is a list of items that um, are needed, and I think you can find a copy of the list on this table here. Just look at what is required. Thank you all for your help. Uh, you can still give something for Entos mission trip next year uh, to India. I just write uh, enter on the blank line and the ushers will take care of that. Uh, thank you very much for being in church today and God bless you for the rest of the week. Greet someone as you go out of church this morning. Amen.